um, verse number 31. Now, I know we've been kind of expanding our um, uh, sermon time over the last few weeks, and I know a lot of you have moms and grandmoms to go and visit, so I'm going to try to um, keep this a little shorter than we have been the last uh, several Sundays, but I do have some things that are really burning in my heart to share with you today, and so I appreciate um, whatever plans you may have the rest of the afternoon, but if we could kind of set those aside for a moment, and let's receive what the Lord has to say to us. I was getting in some pretty heavy stuff in one of my classes uh, week before last at the foundry, and the, and the Spirit of God was really moving amongst the participants there, and and um, I uh, I just kind of felt like I needed to come up for air for a minute, and I, and I asked him, I said, look, I don't believe that I am, but you know, am I, am I talking over your heads? I, I want to make sure that you understand what I'm saying. Do you have questions about this? Is this, is this sailing over your heads, or are you, are you, are you getting it? And, you know, because the idea is I'm trying to help them grow and, and stretch them a little bit, and, and um, didn't get much feedback from that, but I just kept going by faith. Well, afterwards, I believe it was a word from the Lord. Um, one of the men in the class came up to me. He said, Pastor Mark, he said, it's not that you're talking over our heads. It's just that some of us are ducking. You know, that is good, isn't it? Praise God. Um, so don't duck this morning. Amen. Just just take it right in the heart. Amen. And let the Holy Spirit uh, speak to you. Now, we're going to take a little bit of a side journey. We're not changing subjects. For those of you who've been following along with our current study, the last couple of weeks we've been over in the book of Judges, over in the book of Joshua, over in the book of Numbers. And one of the things that we're, we're seeing is that when God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt, he brought them out so that he might bring them into the promised land. And the key word there, a lot of key words there, so that he might bring them in. And might is there because as much as God wanted to bring them into that promised land, uh, he couldn't do that without their cooperation. There had to be some effort on their part, and there were some things that they needed to learn, some things that they needed to grow in. And we could talk about those things, not necessarily here to try to uh, you know, go into great detail of that. But one of the key things that we see is that these folks never understood or never came to terms with who they were to God. The, the love, I mean, he kept telling them, you're a special treasure to me. I've treasured you above all the people of the earth. And, and, and he kept reminding them what he had done for them uh, because of who they were to him and because of the love that he had for them. But we see that for the most part, at least that first generation that came out of slavery in Egypt, that not only did they never really learn to put their trust fully in God, um, we see that they, they continue to see themselves as, as slaves instead of as God's chosen people. In other words, the image that they had of themselves um, never changed. And we've been backing this up with the scriptures, you know, where Moses sent spies into the promised land and they came back with an evil report. Ten, anyway, of the 12 spies came back with an evil report. And, and they said, it truly is a land that flows with milk and honey. But we are as grasshoppers in our own sight. And there's no place for us there. There's no room for us there. Um, and the people there are giants. And the land inhab devours its inhabitants and so forth and so on. And, of course, Joshua and Caleb, you know, they were like, let's go up at once. But the key thing they said is we're as, we were as grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And so the point that we're making there, and it's an important point, is that how you see yourself, the image that you have of yourself, 
what you believe to be true about yourself is also what you believe other people think about you. In other words, how you see yourself is how you think other people see you. And this has such uh, you know, a far-reaching uh, impact on our lives because how we think people see us determines how we respond to those people. Now, next Sunday, I believe, amen, I, don't hold me to that, in the days ahead anyway, we're going to kind of explore that some because not only do we think other people see us the way we see ourselves, we also think that God sees us the way we see ourselves and we respond to Him based upon how we believe He sees us. Okay, But then there's another layer to that as well. And that is, we believe the devil sees us as we see ourselves. We believe that our enemy looks at us the way we look at ourselves. And so when we see ourselves as as unworthy, as we see ourselves as, as measly and, and, and these kinds of things, then you know, there's no way that we're going to believe or think that the devil sees us as mighty if we think of ourselves as, as being weak and weaklings. Okay? So there are some far-reaching effects that, that we're going to dig into in the days ahead that are connected with all of that. But this morning, I want us to, to go to John 8 before we uh, go any further into what we see in, in the Old Testament. I want us to look at some New Testament verses that, um, that also uh, correlate with, connect with um, all of these things. Now, let me, let me give you a statement let me give you a statement, and then we're going to build on that for a few minutes, okay? <clears throat> when you receive salvation, when you were born again, listen to me very carefully. This is, this is extremely important, okay? Father God made you something the day you were born again that you were not before that moment or that experience, okay? The salvation experience, the new birth experience is not figurative, it's not metaphorical, it's not imaginary. It is a literal experience. When you and I were born again, we were born a second time of a different seed. And the Bible says that our old man died and we were created again a new man and the new man was created, Ephesians 4, according to God. Okay, So when you were born again, you were made something that you were not before. You came into existence as something. That's what it means. Biblically, the word made, when it says God made you this or God made you that, he made you the righteousness of God, he made you free, okay? It literally means that you came into existence as a free man. You came into existence as a righteous man or woman, okay? So when he made you something, it means this is what in 2 Corinthians 5, if any man's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old has passed away. All things have become new, and now all things are of God. And we know that the place where everything became new is in our spirit. Our, our, the real you is your spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a physical body. Okay? So, Father God made you something. I, I keep saying this, but, but this is the true image. Find out who he made you. One of the ways that I define discipleship is this. Discipleship is finding out who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
You became something through that experience that you were not before. But most people know more about the person they were than the person they became. That's why most people still live like the person they were instead of the person they became. Are you hearing me? Most people still see themselves. They have a self-image that has carried over from from the old man that they no longer are. But because they see themselves more in light of the old person they were instead of the new person they became the tendency is to still live like that old person because remember your life reality is a reflection of your self-image how you see yourself right your your life reality will always be a reflection of that i wish listen to me please i wish that our life reality was a reflection of the life we wanted to live see this is where people get really confused I wish that our life reality was automatically a reflection of the person we became the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. But again, that is not, that is not true. Your life reality is like, the Bible says, it's like a man looking in a mirror. Okay. Now, the Old Testament has a lot to say about that, but we also find, and we haven't gotten there yet, but the New Testament also confirms um, that as a face reflects face, so the image that a man has of himself, how you see yourself, what's in your heart about yourself is reflected in your life reality. So this is, to me, one of the more important things the Lord has ever revealed to us because I think we all, I know I'll speak for myself personally, there are things in my life that I've wanted to see change, and I'm talking about my experience now, what I'm experiencing and enjoying in life, that I've wanted to see change. Some things I've wanted to see change for years, and, and I've wondered, you know, Lord, what am I missing here? What, what is, why does this keep going back to, to the same old way, right? And, and it's because it's, it's how I see myself. My life reality, no matter, see, I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's a lot of things in our lives that we try to change outwardly, but we never let the Lord help us change inwardly, right? Can, can I just be, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking you for, for pity or compliment or anything like that. Just hear me, okay? One of the things that the Lord's really helped me see here of late is that I've, I've, I've always looked at myself as someone that was overweight trying to live like someone who's not. Do, do you see the difference there? We, 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 t- are you hearing me? See, there's folks in this room, you see yourself as a smoker trying to live without cigarettes. See, and you wonder why you put them down for a while and pick them back up. You wonder why you lose weight and you gain it back, right? <laughs> it's because you, you see yourself as, as opposite to the thing you're trying to live like. You follow me? So there's a lot of folks that you know, struggle financially, right? And, 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 you, and they see themselves as, as, as someone who's poor trying to live like somebody who's rich, trying to make other people believe they got money. This is why debt is such a, a problem in our world today. It's getting quiet up in here. Amen. So I'm trying to show you that where the real change took place was when God made you something you were not before. But if we're ever going to experience and enjoy that change in our life reality, okay, then we're going to have to let him help us with the image that we have of ourselves. And so here's the statement. Self-image, the image you have of yourself, it's either a gap 
that prevents, are you seeing this? It's either the gap that prevents who he made you, prevents it from being experienced and enjoyed in your life reality, or it's the bridge. It's either the gap that prevents it or the bridge that enables it. In other words, if, if you have an, an image of yourself opposite to, to that which he has made you, it's going to be very, very difficult for the reality of the new birth and what belongs to you as a child of God, the, 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 the potential that you possess as, a, as the offspring of God. If, if you have an image of yourself that, that is opposed to, that is opposite to um, who he has made you and what he says about you, then that self-image becomes the gap that prevents, are you seeing it? It stops you from enjoying all that potential and experiencing it in your life reality. But if you'll let him help you see yourself as the person that you truly are, as you're already known in heaven, then the self-image is no longer a gap that prevents, but it becomes the bridge that enables Don't duck, okay? <laughs> Don't duck. Amen. Don't duck. He's, he's trying to help us here. Remember, if you believe you're a loser, you're not ever going to think anybody else sees you as a winner. But how many people in life, they see themselves as failures trying to live a successful life? and can't figure out why they keep failing. It's because if you see yourself as a failure, your life reality will always reflect failing. Amen. You say, well, Pastor Mark, this just sounds like some kind of late-night infomercial where somebody's wanting me to send them, you know, three payments of $39.95 to get some three-ring binder and some cheap DVDs about mind over matter. No, no, listen to me, please. Does the Bible not say you're more than a conqueror? Does the Bible not say you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you? Does the Bible not say if God be for you, who can be against you? Does the Bible not say he supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory? Does the, in other words, all of those things are, are verses that fall into the true image of who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. How many people in the body of Christ see themselves as a sinner? They, they see themselves as a sinner but view the Christian life as their effort to do right. See, as long as the image you have of yourself is, a, is the image of a sinner, that's how you see yourself. I'm a sinner. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. If you see yourself as a sinner, guess what? Your life reality is going to continue to reflect over and over and over again. Sin. So people see themselves as a sinner. That's the image they have of themselves. And oh, we're just struggling and struggling and struggling to try to do right and be right and live right and be good. No. See, this is why he made you right. He made you right. Listen to me, please. None of us were good. But the good one made you good. He made me a good person. And because I'm a good person, I can live like a good person. I can do good things. I don't see myself as a bad person trying to, 
to do good and be good. All right, John chapter 8. Let's begin at verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. Now I want you to pay very close attention to the words make, makes, and made. Okay? Make, makes, and made. And I want you to pay very close attention to those words because a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this, and the Lord corrected me, right? It doesn't say that He'll set you free. It says He'll make you free. There is a difference between Him setting you free and Him making you free. These two things are related, but they are not synonymous with one another. So He said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered, I'm sorry, they answered, I skipped a verse. They answered, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Now, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago that the Lord led us to this particular subject about giving God the place in our lives that He deserves to have. And the place that you give to something has to do with the priority that you give to it, the authority that you give to it. And notice now, when it says they believed in Jesus, what it really means here, if, if, if we were to just really unpack that, they did not invest saving faith in Jesus. They watched Jesus stand up to some religious bullies. They watched Jesus do some things and say some things they'd never seen anybody else do. And so when it says they believed in Him, it, it's more like they gave Him credit and, and, and basically acknowledged that what he was doing was interesting and, and, and what have you. And so Jesus saw a crack in the door, and he's going to try to, to go through that crack and encourage them to take that next step, to, to actually continue in his word and be his disciples indeed, which would allow them to know the truth, and knowing the truth would make them free men and women. And of course, we see that they said no to that. They put the brakes on that. They gave a red light to that. They said, no, no, Jesus, we're not here to follow you. We're not here to be your disciples. We're not here to, uh, you know, to put any more effort into this than we put into it right now. You know, we just, you know, we're giving you a shout out um, for putting those religious bullies in their place that tried to embarrass that woman and make a fool out of her and you and, 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 and all that stuff. Because we're Abraham's descendants. You know, we, we've already got us a religion. We've already, we're Jews. We're Jude, you know, we, we're not interested in converting or anything like that. But, but anyway, you know, thank you. Uh, this, this was the attitude that they had towards, the, towards Jesus. And so, again, he says, Most assuredly, I'm saying to you, that whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave is not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. So notice what he's talking about here. He's talking about 
making them sons. Instead of them being slaves to sin, he's come to set them free from sin. And how is he going to set them free from sin? He's going to set them free from sin by making them sons of God. Not just the offspring of Abraham, but by making them sons of God. And notice that a son abides in the father's house forever. I'm not trying to listen to me, please. Jesus is not saying that a son never makes a mistake. He's not saying that a son never does anything that offends his father. He's not saying that, that someone who has been made a son or a child of God is, 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 is somehow never going to do another thing wrong as long as they live. But he's saying that if you will let him make you a son, you will abide in father's house forever, even if you still struggle in some areas of your life uh, in, 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 in things that you do that you shouldn't do. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm, I'm not trying to step on any of your, you know, I know people's sensitive subject in some of these doctrinal areas here. Slave doesn't abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall, you shall be free indeed. I know you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. In other words, they don't value, they don't respect, they don't honor what it is that Jesus is coming to give to them and to ultimately do for them or whoever will call upon his name. Now, again, I want you to notice the use of the words make, makes, and made. If you look these words up in the original language, it means to come into existence as something. When Jesus said it will make you free, the truth will make you free, okay, he's not just saying that he will give you freedom. There's a difference between giving somebody something and making somebody something, okay? And I think this is, this is again, because we don't understand spirit, soul, and body, we, we think in one dimension instead of three dimension, that we think more in terms of what it is that Jesus came to give to us as opposed to what it is that he came to make us. And because we don't understand the difference between being made free, being given freedom, or being set free, we tend to look at what's going on in our life reality and based upon the circumstances, based upon, you know, the current climate, based upon, you know, what's happening, uh, we, we figure out whether or not we have it or, or, or don't. Are you seeing this? So it's like if, we, if we're doing pretty good and, and, and being pretty obedient and, 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 and walking pretty much free from sin, then, you know, circumstantially, you know, it looks like we've been given freedom. This is why, listen, it's because people don't understand this. They're constantly asking God to give them something that he's already not only given them, but he's made them. So he didn't just say, I will give you freedom. And, 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 and certainly set free is implied here, and I'll show it to you in just a moment. But more importantly, more important than giving them freedom, more important than setting them free, he came to make them free. He came to make you free. So let's see if we can say it this way, all right? Jesus came to set you free, and the only way to truly set you free would be to make you free. In other words, let me say it another way. Jesus came to set us free by making us free. Now, I'm not trying to, to split hairs here, and I'm not trying to mince words, but this goes back to this fundamental difference that we've been emphasizing now for quite some time. There is a difference between doing and being. See, we tend to think that whatever we do determines who we be. You are not a human doing. You are a human being. 
Jesus knew that if you were ever going to live in freedom, he was going to first have to make you a free man. Or else you would have been a slave struggling to live free. Are you seeing this? See, Father God is very smart if you haven't figured this out by now. His end game, his ultimate goal is for you and me to live free from sin. And the only way he can ever enable us to live free from sin is if he makes us a son instead of the slave to sin that we previously were. He knew that if he could make us sons of God, right? If he could make us free, then as men and women that have been made free, he can teach us how to live free. He can teach us how to experience freedom. This is why Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that he made you free. He made you a free man so you can learn how to live as a free man. But if he never made you free, there's nothing in the world he could ever do to teach you how to consistently live free in your life reality. Notice he said, free indeed. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. This word indeed means a performed action. Are you seeing this? If if the Son makes you free, you shall be free in your performed action. Notice he's talking about doing something inside of you first that will enable you to express it outwardly. Another way we define discipleship is the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. The inward reality of the new birth is that He made you free the day you were born again. He made you His Son the day you were born again. The day you were born again, He made you and me as free from sin as Jesus is free from sin this morning. If He makes you free... You shall be free in your performed action. In other words, your performed action is how you actually live your life. But he knows that if he never makes you free, you will never be free in your performed action, no matter how hard you try. So he makes you free first, so that once you've been made free, you can learn how to live free in your performed action. We see this in the great invitation Jesus gave to all of humankind. He said, come to me and I will give you rest. Learn of me and you will find rest for your souls. When you come to Him, He gives you rest in your spirit. But if you never take His yoke upon yourself and let Him teach you how to live in the rest that He's already given you and made you, are you seeing this? You'll never find the rest in your soul and therefore you will never find it in your life reality. So the pattern is this. Jesus speaking to you this morning. He's saying, come and I will give, learn and you'll find. Come and I will give, learn and you'll find. Come and I will make you righteous, learn and I'll teach you how to live like a righteous man or woman. Come and I'll make you free, learn and I'll teach you how to live like a free man or woman. Come and I will make you powerful and authoritative, learn and you will be uh, powerful and authoritative in your life reality. Jesus came to give us the ability to live free by making us free. He came to make you something you were not before. 
And so by making you free, He gives you the ability to do what you did not previously possess the ability to do, and that is to live as a free man. If we've learned anything through our, lives, through our life experiences, we've learned that we cannot live consistently in a way opposite to who we believe we are. You cannot and you will not. So the key words, again, I know I'm, I'm going back over some of this multiple times. Make means to come into existence as. Set means to put or bring into a specified place or position. Indeed means a performed action. Praise God. All right, my time's running out. Let me, amen. Are you get, are you, is this making sense to you? You get anything out of this? Okay, don't duck. Amen. We're almost finished. Don't duck. Here's, here's a practical way. Maybe this will help you, okay? Um, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, which went into effect January 1st, 1863. Now, I'm not here to give you a history lesson, but that did not end slavery. The emancipa- that came later, but the Emancipation Proclamation actually set all the slaves free in the Confederate states not the Union States. That came later. How am I doing, Miss Crosley? Okay, yeah. She's <laughs> retired teacher taught on these things. Amen. All right. So the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect January 1, 1863. It's not a trick question. Just think it through. Did the Emancipation Proclamation set the Confederate slaves free? Or did it make the Confederate slaves free? And the answer is, it made them free. Right? It made them free, even though most continue to live as slaves. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, but it's not like those slaves out there picking cotton had smartphones that they received an alert from their Fox News app that said... Um, the president of the Union States just signed into law your freedom. It's one thing for the president of the United States of America to legally make those men and women free. Okay, It's another thing altogether for them to even know that it happened. right? And it's another thing altogether right, for them to believe it when somebody tells them. It's not like those plantation owners went out there and said, all right, guys, uh, my gravy train just came into the station. I, it's, it's over. Um, here's a couple of thousand dollars apiece to go start your new lives. No, see, none of that happened, right? But the reality of it is every one of those people were made free when President Lincoln signed that and it went into law on the 1st of January, 1863. It made them free but did not set them free. In other words, their performed action was not that of freedom. Are you seeing it? What, is, what does set mean? Set means to put or bring into a specified place or position. Okay? So many people, let, let's just, let's use it like people who are in recovery from 
uh, we're all in recovery from something, right? But again, it's back to where we started this morning. I've met so many people who have struggled in the, in, in, in the past in their lifetimes with addiction. And so many of, of, of those men and women, the, they have an image of themselves as an addict. And, 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 or they may, they may try to uh, clean it up just a little bit and they will, they will introduce themselves as a recovering addict. Okay? Are you seeing this? See, see it, it, praise God. I think a lot of times we see ourselves as trying to escape from something instead of believing that we've been made free from something. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I've, so many people's like, you know, I'm trying to escape from this. Or I'm trying to escape. No, no, no. Listen, you, you've already been made free from this. But no, what's the difference between realizing that you're a free man or woman versus trying to escape from some habit or some life-controlling behavior? The difference is the image you have of yourself. Do you see yourself as, as an addict trying to live free from drugs and alcohol? Or do you see yourself as somebody who's been made free learning how to live as a free man or woman. Most people see it this way. I'm a slave trying to live in freedom. I'm a sinner trying to live right. I'm a weak person trying to find strength. I'm a sick person hoping to find healing. But here's the truth. Jesus made you a righteous man so that you can live right. He made you a free man so you can live in freedom. He gives you strength so you can rise above your weakness. And by His stripes, you were healed. So again, self-image is the bridge between what God has made you and stepping into the reality of that place or position. Or self-image is the gap between what God has made you and keeping you from stepping in to the reality of that place or position. All right, stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Amen. Have you been doing your homework? <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, the, the excuse for not doing the homework. What's the, what's the classic excuse for not doing the homework? Anybody remember? My dog ate it, okay? All right? This is homework that I want you to eat. Okay? This is homework I want you to eat. Right here. Amen. Amen. Put this on your daily agenda. Somebody says, what is he holding up? It's on, it's on the back table. Amen. I'm going to pray for you. But before I do it, amen, remember, we must have a self-image based upon what's been done for us, not what's been done to us, not what we've done to ourselves. So what's been done for us? Thus says the Lord God, Jehovah, I knew you and loved you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I gave you purpose and grace in my son before time began. I chose you to be one with me and to be as Jesus is to me before you ever lived a single day of your life. I love you so much that I sent my son to rescue you. He became your sin 
and was punished in your place, so sin will never separate you from me again. When he became your sin, I turned my back on him, but did so knowing it would be the last time I ever turned my back on one of my children. At great cost to myself, I delivered you from sin, and I also delivered you from the curse of sin, including sickness, poverty, and death. By my son's suffering and stripes, all of your sicknesses and diseases have been healed. I have given you my life and nature in overflowing abundance and without end. I have given you my spirit as a helper to be one with you and to live in you forever. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you to empower you to live the life I created you to live. I have set my eternal love upon you and nothing can separate you from it. I've withheld nothing from you. If I gave my son, if I gave you my son, I will surely give you all other things. I've given you my name, my word, my kingdom, my glory, my authority, and my victory. I have made you righteous. I've made you free. I've made you wise. I have become, um, I've made you wise. I have made you strong, and I have made you prosperous. Jesus became accursed for you so the blessing of Abraham could forever encompass your life. I have seated you together beside me with Jesus in the heavenly places far above any demon, demonic threat to your destiny. I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing, and I've prepared things for those who love me that go beyond your wildest imaginations. All right, here's who wants extra credit. Find at least two verses that support every sentence. Amen. Somebody said, well, you know, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure the, 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 that's the, from the Lord or just from you. Well, there's two ways that you judge, according to the Scriptures, whether or not something is a word from God. The word of God and the witness, the inward witness, right? And what does the word say? Amen. Amen. This is the word. Father, you're good to us. Oh, you're so good to us. Help us see ourselves as people that you're good to. Help us understand, Father, what you've done for us and what that means about who we are to you. Lord, help us see ourselves not in light of the mistakes we've made, the people that have hurt us and wronged us and rejected us and maybe even, Lord, abused us, Lord. Father, the enemy tries to use those things to form and forge even uh, a poor and wrong self-image within us, Lord. Help us, help us, Father, to set all that aside this morning and allow what you've done for us to be the driving factor, the driving force behind the image that you're building inside of our souls of who we are in Christ Jesus. Father, show us individually where there's different areas in our lives that we've struggled. Help us connect, Father, something about our self-image that keeps producing that area of struggle in our life reality. Help us understand, Lord, why those things that we've struggled, in some cases for years to change, have not only connection with, but roots in 
things in our self-image that they reflect. Father, I thank you that you did come to set the captives free. What Isaiah may not have understood is that you came to set us free by making us free. And I thank you, Lord, this morning that every person listening to me right now shall be free indeed. Indeed, Lord. We thank, you for, we thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for your hand upon our moms. Bless them real good today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Hey, if your mom lives out of state or out of town, I know you don't need somebody like me to tell you this. Give her a phone call. Let her hear from you. Tell her that you love her. Amen.